Welcome to Power Band Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name is Ray Kieran. Thank you very much for joining me today. We're going to be taking a look at a very, very special motorcycle very shortly. But first, let's do the news. And Yamaha have revealed the YZF R1 for 2020. They've revealed that the 2020 YZF R1 with that cross-playing crank will be receiving some important updates for the 2020 model year. The engine, the new 2020 R1 models, come equipped with what Yamaha is calling the next generation of its unique 998cc inline-cylinder, inline-four-cylinder cross-plane crank. Returning features such as titanium fracture split connecting rods and offset cylinders contribute to a responsive and potent character. While the cylinder head, fuel injectors, finger follower rocker arms and camshaft profiles are all new for 2020. As far as braking goes, the most technologically advanced electronics package in Yamaha's Supersport lineup complements the evolutionary engine of the new 2020 R1M and R1 models, Yamaha's proprietary 6-axis inertial measurement unit, the IMU, continues to be a key feature of the package and processes real-time vehicle attitude and wheel speed data for the new braking control technology that gives riders the option to choose between two intervention modes for enhanced braking control. A new engine brake management system also allows the rider to select between three levels of engine braking force to suit their individual preference or riding situation on track or road. Both the BC and EBM settings are adjustable through onboard Yamaha Ride Control and Yamaha's Y-Track smartphone and tablet app. As far as the suspension goes, the 2020 R1 model also receives suspension enhancements courtesy of KYB front forks with new oil-controlled shim stack design and the KYB rear shock with the revised internal settings. Together, Yamaha says the changes result in smoother suspension damping uh, paired with an improved feeling of contacting grip with the street or track surface. The R1M variant scores Olin's electronic racing suspension, which is a a staple of the R1M's chassis performance and a new NPX pressurized front fork with a gas cylinder built into the front fork axle bracket along with revised rear shock settings to complement the performance of the front fork with rider adjustability options through YRC settings and Y-Track. Yamaha says the new Olin's ERS suspension package takes the R1M to the next level. Now Yamaha have redesigned the bodywork of the 2020 R1 models with a subtle new design creating a 5.3% increase in aerodynamic efficiency while also reducing wind noise and pressure on the rider when in a tucked position. Improved comfort comes from smoother side sections where the rider's legs connect to the bike. The 2020 R1M also receives a new carbon fibre tail cowl to accompany the existing carbon fibre passenger seat cowl. For more information on the new 2020 R1 models, do check out the latest edition of Kiwi Rider, kiwirider.co.nz. In other news, Lee Munro, yes, of that Munro family, has had to pull the pin on the 2019 campaign with the spirit of Munro Indian Scout. He won't be heading to Bonneville this year. He says he is gutted that he'll be missing out on the 2019 event he posted on his Facebook page. He said they had an important sponsor withdraw not quite two weeks ago, which left them uh, with not enough time to find a keen sponsor who wanted to be part of the world record-breaking team. The team isn't throwing in the towel completely in preparation 
preparations are already in motion to ensure the team will make it to the 2020 Bonneville Speed Trials. The funds they've raised so far will go towards the record attempt for 2020, they say, which is also the 100th year of the Indian Scout. To say that they can't wait till then is an understatement. More information on this as all stories in the latest edition of Kiwi Rider magazine, kiwirider.co.nz. And following the tragic death of Ducati rider Cullen Dunn at this year's running of the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb, the organisation has decided to ban motorcycles for the foreseeable future. In a statement, the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb Board of Directors has confirmed that the 2020 Pikes Peak International Hill Climb will not include a motorcycle programme, while analysis for long-term viability of the race on two wheels is conducted. The Board of Directors for the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb event recently convened to review the 2019 event. Motorcycles have been a part of the PPIHC for the past 29 years and their history on America's mountain dates back to the inaugural running in 1916, said Tom Osborne, the PPIHC chairman. That said, the motorcycle program hasn't been an annual event. They have run 41 of the 97 years. It's just time to take a hard look at every aspect of the race, including the motorcycle program, and determine whether or not the event may change, he added. PPIHC staff and board members will continue to track all metrics related to the annual race and make a final determination in late 2020 about whether or not the inclusion of a motorcycle program will take place in future years. And that wraps up the news. Time now to take a look at a brand new motorcycle. It is the Motoguzzi V85 TT. Not only did our man Matthew Day Gillett go to the uh, Asia Pacific launch of this in Thailand, but also Jock McLaughlin. And this story, courtesy of Kiwi Rider, thank you very much, written by Jock McLaughlin. I'll admit to feeling a tinge of sadness when Motoguzzi dropped the Stelvio from its lineup a few years back. I had the chance to ride it a couple of times here in New Zealand and found it to be a great touring bike with decent gravel road capability. Lots of character and good performance across the board. I remember thinking, at the time, what comes next? Well folks, the V85 TT is almost here in New Zealand. And as I write this after a few days in Thailand getting down and sweaty with it, I have to say it's a bloody fine machine. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So despite its smaller capacity, it's a fine alternative to the outgoing Stelvio, if not the exact replacement. And the new machine is an excellent addition to the Motoguzzi family. In today's world, Motoguzzi is somewhat of a rarity and something of a standout brand. Why? Well, they're all about tradition, style, character and function, all based around the company's transversely mounted 90 degree V-twin. With Motoguzzi machines, Italian flair, passion, soul and the simple joy of riding is often favoured over outright performance. One look at the V85 TT will tell you those passionate wear their heart on their sleeves Italians have nailed it. One ride and you'll know they hit the nail on the head. But for now, let's get back to Thailand. The V85 TT launch was based in northern Phuket for the Australasian market. 
On arrival night after dinner and drinks, the Motogazi team gave a briefing on the V85 TT outlining their design philosophy and what they wanted to achieve. Motogazi believes the mid-sized machine is the most relevant and capable for the broadest number of riders and abilities, hence the 853cc engine. They also wanted to build a bike which is a finely balanced package of style and function. A machine just as happy in and around town, out on the open road exploring, and some modest adventure work to justify the TT badge. I'm sure you've been wondering about the TT bit. No, it doesn't stand for Tourist Trophy, but rather stands for Tutto Torino, in Italian, or All Terrain for us. So, to paraphrase, they wanted an easy ride, handsome bike with decent power and wide-ranging ability. There's no doubt Motogazi has got the easy-to-ride and handsome elements absolutely spot-on. First up, the V85 looks cool, the finish and build quality looks superb, but more than that, it just looks right with elements of both old and new whizzed together into a coherent whole. There are nice touches everywhere you look. It even gets a USB port. The transversely mounted air oil-cooled engine has some benefits other than maintaining tradition and adding that unique guzzy character. There are no possible coolant leaks for a start, and those splayed cylinders help keep the centre of gravity low by allowing the fuel tank to be placed lower than otherwise. There's also a simple, less cluttered location for that single 52mm throttle body that supplies both cylinders. In essence, it's Guzzi's V9 engine, but all new. It's now semi-dry sump, lubricated, has titanium inlet valves and 30% lighter conrods and lighter pistons. Couple this with the binning of the old 28mm throttle body and power is up dramatically from 55 to 80 horsepower. Maximum torque is 80 newton meters at 5000 rpm, but most of that is available below 4000 rpm. I love the way this bike makes its power. While not overly powerful by today's standards, the actual delivery is superb. There's loads of torque at all revs, so it doesn't really matter what gear you're in because there's enough oomph to still have fun and make it a relaxed mile eater. Our test ride was 214 kilometers long, split into five legs. The first stage was 80 kilometers long, where the roads were twisty with excellent tarsil surface, little traffic, and proved to be just right for getting to know the guzzy. Hopping aboard, the first thing I noticed was how good the ergonomics felt. It's slim through the middle, not too tall with an 830mm seat height, and is generally very comfortable. The next thing was just how effortlessly it turns in. The steering is superb, with an accurate and planted feel as it turns into a corner, totally losing its 208kg dry weight. The great stealing really left a lasting impression, as it was very confidence-inspiring, allowing for easy and quick mid-corner lane changes, which at times were necessary because of wandering dogs and slow scooters. The pace was quick, posted speed signs were completely ignored, and traffic policing was either non-existent or maybe they simply didn't care. Gosh, my kind of riding, if only in New Zealand. The first stage included some gravel and some water crossings. We played around a little getting to know the guzzy, 
finding the suspension a little too soft to push hard off-road, but perfectly good for gravel and potholes. Some riders chose to hard-boil eggs in the hot springs at our first stop for a snack. Talking of food, the next leg was 93 kilometres to lunch at a stunning restaurant overlooking the sea and the beautiful islands of Pangnau Bay. Think the movie The Hangover, a truly spectacular view. At this stage I was genuinely grateful to be consuming our marvellous Thai meal in an air-conditioned building. My leather boot-covered wet feet from the water crossings had never felt so hot, ever. But because of my caring nature, I refrained from removing them. On the stage, the riding was a mixture of the tightish previous riding we'd been doing and more open dual carriageway style roads. At one time our group freight trained past two parked police cars, well in excess of 160 kilometres, and judging by their happy expressions, they were well pleased with our most excellent progress. Over lunch, we were informed that at the end of the next 32km stage, all of those who wanted to have a ride on the beach could, although it would definitely be frowned upon if there were any dropped bikes. I was like, hell yes, but I ain't promising nothing. At the beach, we were greeted with a wide open area of gently undulating deep white sand and a beautiful blue sea. I scrolled through the options on the V85's TFT screen and switched off the MGCT, Motor Guzzi's tag for traction control. And off I went. It's fair to say the standard road-orientated tyres were poor in these conditions, but I still had a real hoot drifting around in the sand. Despite the tyres, once up to speed, the bike worked well in these tricky conditions. It was not inclined to tuck the front even with that 19-inch front wheel and was still reasonably agile. The fact that it's not too tall, and perhaps because a decent amount of fuel was done from the 24-litre tank, made it quite manageable. The suspension travel is reasonable, 170 millimetres, which is about right for the design brief. It's not trying to be a genuine hardcore off-road blaster, but a jack-of-all-roads machine. And because the action is well controlled and has reasonable progression, it suits the bike very well. I think on the majority of New Zealand roads, most potential owners will be well impressed. The brakes are excellent too. They're by Brembo and top-notch in all regards. The last 9km back to the resort was an easy ride on decent roads. Later that evening I suggested to the Motoguzzi hierarchy that it would be quite fun to jump a V85TT into the pool. After all, they're Italian and always up for a laugh. Now while they agreed in theory that it was a great idea, they suggested perhaps not on this occasion. Oh well, maybe next time. Many thanks to Motoguzzi for having the balls to come up with such a great new machine. The V85 is a left field but must ride machine for anyone looking for an all round machine with some adventure chops. The New Zealand launch of the V85 TT is coming shortly so we look forward to telling you what it's like in our own unique conditions. Stay tuned. The V85 TT from the Australasia launch Written by Jock McLaughlin. For pictures and more information on the V85 TT from Motoguzzi, check out kiwirider.co.nz. And that rounds off another episode of Power Band Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and share this episode with a riding buddy of yours. This podcast was voiced and produced by me, Ray Huron. Till next time, keep the rubber side down and power on. Power Band.